Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Phoenix Business Radio X. This is our podcast and radio show. It's our house show. Um, I'm a different voice that you get to hear. I love when I get to guest host and hop in the seat for Karen Nowicki. So I'm Kendra Maples, and I have a full house with some amazing gentlemen that are all from the same location, which is really fun because we really get to dive into you guys, what you do, your facility. Sometimes we're sharing the spotlight on multiple companies and multiple businesses, which is great. But now I get all three of you from the same place that we get to highlight. So I have David Bauer, the director at Ravenscroft. Welcome. I have Rob Moore, the director of music. And then I have Russell Schmidt, the co-artistic director there. So I am very excited to have all three of you here. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And what I want to do just to get started, I want to hear about all of you individually, right? And how you got to Ravenscroft. But I also want to hear about Ravenscroft itself and what it is. It's been a couple of years that you've been out there. So David, I'm going to ask you, tell us a little bit about um, Ravenscroft, what it is, and then I want to tap into each of you individually and kind of what brought you guys all together. Yeah. So thanks for having us. Really yeah. appreciate it. So uh, Ravenscroft, it's it's a very common question we get from a lot of people, you know, what is Ravenscroft? Mm-hmm. So Ravenscroft really is a dream that started with Bob and Gretchen Ravenscroft. They are the founders of um, the foundation that's actually operating Ravenscroft. And so Ravenscroft is a upscale premier performing arts facility. Uh, We do musical performances on two different stages. We have a beautiful 200 seat concert hall. We do a lot of amazing concerts in there. World-class musicians come through, uh, Grammy award-winning artists take that stage. And so we have a a series that runs through the year there called the Ravenscroft Concert Series. And uh, Rob is actually very strategic and bringing in artists for us there. And that's kind of an upscale environment that mm-hmm. we can invite patrons to come in. We have a you know beautiful uh, concert hall with lovely leather seating and a Meyer Constellation audio system. I can tell you more about that in a minute. But And then I have a second stage that's called Jazzbird, which is like our lounge environment themed after like a New York City jazz lounge. Um, We can get almost 150 people in there comfortably and 200 people uncomfortably (laughs) in that space. And we do uh, Jazzbird nights every Friday night in the Jazzbird. We call it Jazzbird, not Jazzbird lounge, but it is it's a lounge. So we do offer like catered meals and a full bar in there as well. And we have some other programming that goes in there at different times of the month as well. But yeah, so it's a, it's a performing arts venue that is really going back to Bob and Gretchen Ravenscroft. They, they had a desire to build a facility where it, it answered the question, how do we present arts and music at the highest level possible? Mm. And so you'll, you'll see at Ravenscroft, all the disciplines of architecture, design, and technology coming together in one beautiful, magnificent building um, it's not a large space. I mean, in total, we're like 30,000 square feet um, with the two venues, and we have some office spaces there for the foundation. But just coming into the space, it's very modern architecture. We have some beautiful artwork in the facility. It, it's just a great place for people to come and hear and enjoy just some incredible musicians from all over. We do chamber music, which we'll talk more about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. We have lots of other programming that goes on in there as well. In total, we're, we're pushing about 80 events through our facility in the season. So we're quite busy and uh, very fortunate. We've been open two years. We opened in October of 2021 after Rob was with the organization a lot longer than me, but it's several years that this has been envisioned. And then finally, you know, the build process took about three years uh, from securing the the building to finally opening it up. So it's just been, it's been a real dream come true for Bob and Gretchen Ravenscroft. And then of course the organization behind it is called Music Serving the Word Ministries. Mm -hmm. And it is a private nonprofit foundation that Bob and Gretchen um, envisioned that, that actually operates Ravenscroft. So it's, it's just a, a true gift to the community and a place of light and hope for people to come and uh, just experience the arts at such a, an impeccable level. So, yeah, it's fun. 
I'm this sounds I'm so excited because it's it's so different and unique and just like you said it's it's upscale the jazz the music it's this isn't concert mosh pit no. <laughs> this is <laughs> we're at a very different level yeah. tell me a little bit more on that foundation side so Bob and Gretchen you were telling us this right before we were going on air that they were focused on the foundation side and more on the piano side right and then this opportunity came for them to actually have a space and share the music this way. Yeah. So um, in 2006, Bob and Gretchen started a foundation called Music Serving the Word. In order to understand that, you need to understand who Bob Ravenscroft is. Mm-hmm. He's he's an accomplished jazz pianist. He's, he's in his early 80s. Bob's been at this for many decades, originally coming from Chicago. There's a beautiful piece on our website if you want to uh, find it on the, actually on the MSW website about Bob and his legacy, um, which is a very well done documentary on mm-hmm. him, but his his philanthropy in town has been mm-hmm. so influential at ASU and many of the jazz programming in town that people have experienced over the last several decades in some part has probably been funded by Bob and Gretchen and just their, their uh, generosity to the community. Um, but yeah, so the foundation, music serving the word, that really comes from Bob's passion for music and they are faith-based mm-hmm. individuals and they love the Lord and and really they uh, they have a, a desire to see music performed in such a way that it in turn you know lifts up God and gives glory back to God and so it's just a, a core belief that when when we present our gifts and our especially in the art of music and improvisational playing mm-hmm. uh, particularly jazz that's that's Bob's genre he loves jazz and so that's really kind of the core foundation of what Ravenscroft supports is mm-hmm. a lot of jazz programming. But the foundation uh, was put together. And so there's a lot of different outreaches in the foundation as well. So it's not just uh, Ravenscroft. Mm-hmm. So Ravenscroft actually is one of many outreaches that operate from music serving the word ministry. So we have uh, I thought I wrote it down. <laughs> no worries. Uh, we have lots of other uh, ministries that yeah. that operate out of their uh, ministry to moms that supports okay. moms like single moms, you know, just trying to raise kids. And, and uh, we have international outreach as well. We do a lot of benefit concerts in the hall. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll partner with other um, nonprofit organizations in town. And so we can bring together a really cool concert with an, a well-known artist and all the funds go to support another organization. Uh, we have um, an outreach to help encourage leaders and pastors specifically in locally and also internationally that, mm-hmm. that operates out of this foundation. Hmm. Russell Schmidt's here. He's part of the foundation. So he's he's got a couple things he can talk about, too, that operate in there. So, okay. yeah, so Ravenscroft is kind of a big piece of the pie okay. of, of larger pie, <laughs> which yeah. is called Music Serving the Word Ministry. So Ravenscroft has kind of become the the big doorway for mm-hmm. people to come into the organization, into the heart of, you know, the Ravenscrofts and kind of their their desire to promote the arts. But but really the back end of it is is from a, a heart that's focused on outreach and engaging with the community and touching the lives of people in a positive way. Because that's really what Bob and Gretchen wanted, yeah. is to, to be an encouragement. And, and of course, he used all the outreaches and, of course, Ravenscroft to, to just make a huge dent of positivity in the lives of people. Yeah. And it sounds like they've definitely been able to do that through the foundation, through this facility, and through, like you said, the philanthropy that he has done through ASU and all of that. So we're very appreciative of them. Um, I'm going to jump over to Russell. I'm not skipping over you, Rob, so you're not off the hook. (laughs) I'm only jumping to Russell um, because your name just came up. So I want to hear more about your position as the co-artistic director of Chamber. So what does that mean? How does that work with your involvement in all of this? Sure. Um, That's a great question. And more importantly, I want to thank you for having us here today and for skipping over Rob. (laughs) I'm not completely skipping over it, just for the moment. I want want to frame it the way that makes me feel better about myself. So thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate you. Um, so Chamber at Ravenscroft, we, we've we been trying to expand the offerings at Ravenscroft because, yes, it primarily has been a jazz venue since opening in October 2021. And again, that's Bob's greatest passion. So that's what it should be. Mm-hmm. 
to amplify one of the things David said, uh, the founder, Bob, really feels a connection to the creative spirit. And I'm not trying to force my faith walk on anybody else, <laughs> but at some level, does creativity come from the creator or mm -hmm. at least an expansive universe, you know, the energies of, of things. Every time a composer writes something, they've created something that didn't exist before. Mm -hmm. Every time a jazz soloist improvises, they've improvised a melodic solo that didn't exist before. So there's an element of creativity that is present in jazz that makes perfect sense to align it with MSW Ministries. Mm -hmm. Okay, how does how does some other form of music also align with that? And the thing that we've discovered is that chamber music playing, as opposed to, let's say, classical music with an orchestra and a conductor, well, chamber music playing is very much like the combo jazz experience, that people are listening to each other and having a spontaneous musical dialogue with one another in the chamber music setting, that there is no conductor dictating it from the metaphorical podium, and uh, and it isn't uh, something as simple as maybe solo piano where the performing artist is dictating the shape of the music. The actual shaping and shading and subtle nuance is conversational in chamber music, mm -hmm. and that makes it a perfect analogous art form to combo jazz. So uh, we think that chamber music is a great fit at Ravenscroft, and I'm really grateful to David and Mario Barnaby, our CEO there, for being supportive of expanding the holdings to try and attract different audiences in at Ravenscroft. Yeah, and as you're talking about this with that focus on these chamber events, tell me about the relationship with those performance and the audience a little bit more, because it's intimate, right? It's right. not a huge space. So tell me a little bit more about that, like that relationship and being in that space for these events. Sure. It's it's really interesting that uh, events in Ravenscroft Hall, it's such a magnificent space. And as David articulated, the acoustics are phenomenal mm -hmm. with, with the Meyer sound system in there. So what, what we create is something that has a connectivity, a sense of community mm -hmm. with the audience in a way that I think brings the uh, act of listening back to uh, a, a less passive experience. Mm -hmm. uh, I won't I won't speak for anyone else at the table, but when I was younger, music was not as prevalent as it is today. Um, it's ubiquitous. You cannot get in an elevator or sit in a waiting room mm -hmm. or go to a supermarket without music being there. That wasn't the case when I was when I was a, a young man. And so I think that and sometimes while it's great to have music everywhere, it sometimes makes makes the act of of listening, of being an audience member. Uh, a more passive experience because, yeah, I hear music all the time. What I find is that our audiences are captivated and wrapped and paying deep attention in a way that we often don't to music anymore. Music has become wallpaper, but yeah. the venue is amazing. The acoustics are amazing. The intimacy with the audience due to the wonderful size of the hall, it's perfect at 200 patrons. Mm -hmm. um, that brings and draws the audience in. And then that connectivity that I mentioned, you even see that after the concerts. I think the thing that has made me happiest in 2023 is we've had a few events uh, that I've either participated in as a performer or helped facilitate as, you know, sort of an artistic director here. Yeah. Um, we've had events where the audience won't leave after the concert. <laughs> we, have an, we have an ample, abundant uh, lobby space. Yeah. <laughs> and it really thrills me that there's the equivalent of an informal after party in our lobby. We had a concert at the beginning of the year for Chamber called Elevate. The audience stayed so long that by that point, you know, the, the performing artists have put their violins and cellos <laughs> back in cases and they come out into the lobby and then the folks who all stayed around spontaneously applauded again, just like they did after the oh, concert. Yeah. And everybody stayed and they talked. The artists talked to the, the audience. So there's a great intimacy there. I think particularly post-COVID, we're all looking for connection. Mm -hmm. And what I love about music at, at Ravenscroft, whether it's jazz in the Jazzbird or it's any form of great art music in Ravenscroft Hall, there's a connection that happens during the concert. And what fills me with the greatest joy is often there's connection after the concert. That is absolutely beautiful. And thank you 
for sharing that connection piece that extends beyond just the performance, especially right now. The Surgeon General has said one of the top things we need to focus on is fighting isolation. People want to have that connection. And so what a beautiful way to form that connection through music. And as you were talking and you're you're saying how music has kind of become wallpaper, I was thinking, I'm like, huh, this is very true because I listen to music all the time, driving and while I'm working and different types of music. And to your point, sometimes it really does just kind of end up in the background. So building a place where people can really have that opportunity to dive in into a space that fits 200 people, but still feels very intimate and then allows for almost this like mini after party. (laughs) I love that. So thank you for highlighting that connection piece. I'm going to come back to you in a minute because I want to hear more about you being a performer. Fair enough. But I also want to jump. Rob has thought he was off the hook this entire time. (laughs) He's just sitting back thinking he doesn't have to chime in. You're on now. I mean, these guys did say everything that I was going to say. So you got to find the other pieces now. You got to find the other pieces now. So tell me from you, right, your connection with all of this. How did you come into all of this? Did I also read too that you are an alumnus from ASU? So there is that connection with the philanthropy side Mm -hmm. of what they've done at ASU. Like, let's dive in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So when I was a, a wee little lad, I started... <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> I started, yeah, just yesterday. Um, <laughs> I was drawn naturally to, to music, but in particular rhythm and dancing. And my, my mother was born in Jamaica, and there was just always dance, music, and we're up and moving often. Uh, it was the dawn of the era of MTV. And so music had this, you know, sort of visual component, you know, for I, I think my generation that was unique at the time. Mm-hmm. And you know, I started playing, a, you know, in the, the elementary school band, as uh, most kids do. And, uh, you know, I was on the clarinet and I just was jealous of, you know, the cats that were having fun in the back playing the drums, you know. <laughs> and, I, and I was, like I said, drawn to that, the sounds, uh, the excitement, uh, but in particular, the the groove. You know, I was just always drawn to the groove. And so it took, my dad was an attorney and he did not, you know, convincing an attorney, you know, it's like state, <laughs> state your arguments on for why I should take you to get lessons, you know. Uh, it was, it was a challenge, but after, uh, several years of (laughs) stating my case (laughs) for why, uh, drumming was just in my heart and, you know, running through my veins and, and I needed to, to express that he uh, took me down to the music store and I began to, to study. And, um, my brother at the time was playing guitar. And so I was like, Hey, we got a, we got the family band, you know, already, you know, it's like, he's on the guitar. We can play through Metallica songs and whatnot. And my first drum teacher was like, Hey man, um, have you heard jazz? Like, are you hip to jazz? And I was like, yeah, you know, I've heard of it. And, And every week he was laying a cassette tape on me of, you know, at first it was drummers like Buddy Rich who are very, um, you know, impressive from a technical viewpoint. But then pretty soon we got into guys like Tony Williams and Elvin Jones and Jack DeJanet, who uh, continue to be a source of of, uh, inspiration, a source Mm -hmm. of inspiration for me, you know, to this day. So then uh, I had some friends that started driving and there were jam sessions. I went to a jam session when I was maybe... 14, maybe 15 years old, there was another drummer in the school uh, named Chad Isinger, and I just had an opportunity to share the stage with him uh, during a recording session uh, over the the weekend. But Chad Isinger was already out. He was like all state jazz drummer. You know, he went to my high school and I took some lessons with him and uh, he was out there doing it. He was out gigging and Mm -hmm. playing at clubs and so I was going places, 
where I probably was not permitted to go because I wasn't 21 and he was able to kind of sneak us in and, you know, to just hang with the musicians. And it was a matter of time before he put me on the hot seat, similar to how you're, you're doing to me right now. <laughs> put me on the hot seat once again. <laughs> and uh, I got up and, and played. And uh, what can I say? You know, I was, I was hooked. You know, yeah. there's something that's uh, just so beautiful, beautiful about the, you know, the ephemeral quality, the, the ephemeral nature of jazz. That it's, it's in the moment. You know, it's, it's happening right now in this particular way, in this moment, with this set of conditions, with these circumstances. And it's, it's never again going to happen Mm-hmm. just like that ever again, yeah. you know, and there's something so special about that, you mm-hmm. know, and that's, that's what really drew me to the, to the art form. That's, that's what continues to draw me to the art form to this day is that it's unique every time, mm-hmm. you know, every time it's always on, on a path of evolution as artists are seeking new ways to you know, new ideas, new ways to to express themselves, you know, different instrument combinations, different technology comes to the, comes into the picture. So, so yeah, so I, I continued to play throughout high school, did the, the big band thing. I participated in uh, Young Sounds of Arizona, which is still going, run by uh, nice. Andrew Gross uh, right now. Very similar to a program that we have running out of Ravenscroft called the Valley Jazz Cooperative, which Russ is going to tell us all about here in a little bit. Okay. That led to um, a combo or just me being asked to be in a jazz combo over at Arizona State University when I was in high school. And the director of jazz at the time was Chuck Moronic, who was good buddies with Bob Ravenscroft. And uh, he offered me a scholarship to go to the school. And, And so I went and had a wonderful four years. I ended up meeting Russ there in, uh, in my senior year and studied composition with Russ. You know, so I graduate from school. I get a call from a bass player named Dwight Killian. He says, hey man, I'm hanging out with this cat named Bob Ravenscroft. I had no idea really who Bob was or uh, what his connection was to Arizona State University because the scholarship fund is called the Jazzbird Scholarship. It's not called the Bob Ravenscroft Scholarship. So I had no idea what the association, you know, was at the time. And he invited me to come over to his house and play some music. So we got to hanging and playing some music. And it was a gas. We ended up hanging for a few months. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. That was 2005, you know. So we've been playing as a trio uh, ever since then. And, you know, different iterations, you know, of that group and um, in conjunction with other musicians. And, you know, it was it was always a dream, I think, from from the very beginning or when I first started hanging out with Bob, that he he wanted a place where he could say what he wanted to say. Yeah. Hopefully. that. I love this. And <laughs> OK, so I want to back up a second. Yeah. I just want you to know not every kid in school played an instrument. Yeah, <laughs> I think I tried the recorder once and I was like, nah, that's not my thing. So I was a theater kid. So I partnered and was friends with all of the, the kids that were in band and choir and all of that. But I didn't excel like the three of you gentlemen <laughs> did. I tried for about 10 minutes and I was like, this is not my area of expertise. I love how it brought you to Ravenscroft and how, like you said, you didn't even know that his connection with the scholarship and all of that. And as you're talking, you're telling the story, I'm realizing I'm looking at some of the notes that I read before. All three of you have this background, this deep background in playing instruments, right? We got to hear a little bit um, from you, Rob. I want to hear, David, from you. Like, Tell us about when you were getting into music and instruments and playing. It may not sound as exciting as Rob, but uh, <laughs> uh, no, I my path was really from uh, more of the faith community. So okay. my dad was a, a pastor, and so I grew up in the church world. 
And so my first instrument was the piano. Mm-hmm. And so I've always had uh, an anchoring in the piano and the keyboard. And uh, my first band instrument, ironically, was trombone. Okay. So, wow. um, but I've always had my eyes on drums. Okay. Because my, my parents used to take me to the Antonia Brico Symphony Ooh. in Denver when she was conducting the Denver Symphony when I was a kid. And I would sit on the edge of my seat looking over the balcony into the percussion section. And I was just like... <sighs> Very fascinated. So, yeah. So I ended up really getting into drums. I was very serious through uh, high school. I played in, I grew up in Eugene, Oregon. I played in the Eugene Youth Symphony. I took professional lessons lessons back then. So I was kind of on a similar track with where Rob uh, ended up. Okay. But I just always had a love for the faith community. And I felt like uh, a bigger part of my contribution would be in, in, uh, cultivating and creating opportunities for people to gather in worship spaces. Mm-hmm. And so my journey was really through more of the, the church world. Okay. And so for 25 years, I was full-time in that world. I directed a, a massive production back in a big church in Indiana called The Living Cross. We had 300 cast members. And so I brought together a whole production team. We had a, a phenomenal lighting and uh, flying angels and all that stuff, kind of like what Dream City does here at Christmas time. Okay, yeah. I did the Easter version. Okay. Back at a church <laughs> in Indiana. In fact, the the pastoral leadership knew each other pretty well. So I come from production. So okay. With all the years of being a vocalist, a keyboard player, architecting worship environments and worship gatherings, mm-hmm. that's the pathway I came to this organization through. Okay. Um, yeah, so I've always had an eye for creating opportunities for people to experience the arts and ultimately experience, um, I think, the the touch of God mm-hmm. through through that. So it was kind of just a cool connection. I was friends with one of the guys on the board of Music Serving the Word. We beat up on each other playing racquetball uh, <laughs> for the last several years, and he is my connection to get into MSW and Ravenscroft. He, he called me completely out of the blue uh, post-COVID in early 2021 and said, hey, you know, MSW's got this facility that they're bringing online. And I, I kind of knew about Ravenscroft through some other channels working in the production world. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just said, uh, you know, with all your skills and background, production and music and all this stuff, it just seems like something that would fit you. And I'm like... Yeah. Well, holy cow. Of course, you know, <laughs> please put my name in. Um, so long story short, it just felt like um, it was it was a real gift from God for mm-hmm. me to be able to come into the organization and, and, and truly leverage my passion and love for music. My uh, I'm a recording artist on a couple albums that I've done. And so, you know, I love the piano. I love jazz. I'm not a jazz uh, jazz artist, which is kind of the irony here. These guys are jazz cats. <laughs> Okay. I, I go to their shows and just sit back in awe. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of a, a hack in some ways, but <laughs> but I've been successful, ironically. So anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not not true, by the way. No hack. No hackery. <laughs> no, I, You're I, awesome. I'm blessed. Yes. So, mm-hmm. but, but for me to come into Ravenscroft, it was so cool because I'm like the kid in the candy store. It's got the pianos, which I love, which I've already been playing the Ravenscroft pianos, the, the virtual instrument version in my own home studio for years and then I come mm. into this role and the piano that was sampled for that project is actually our house grand piano for the stage and so oh, wow. it's like all these all these worlds for me kind of come together yeah musically and I just I love uh sorry I get a little emotional creating opportunities for people to be touched by the arts that's yeah. so cool there's there's uh uh, a depth there. There's a supernatural movement in that. And so with, with the faith-based position of Ravenscroft and MSW and all the stuff that we get to do, yeah, we're doing, you know, secular jazz shows a lot of the time, but it's, it's really from a heart of depth. You know, mm-hmm. We want people to connect with, with God in some way. And so uh, we are, I mean, people are walking through our building going, wow, there's, there's something really cool about this, this mm-hmm. place. And we just smile because I know they're, they're being touched by, you know, the presence of God in some way. So anyway, all right, move on to someone else. I <laughs> so, okay. Go back to Russ. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Russell, I'm going to switch to you in a second. And as I switch in that direction, um, David, you said something. I know you guys are going to think I have something really profound to say right now. I don't. It's this term (laughs) jazz cats. (laughs) You said it. Rob, you said it. Is that like, is that the lingo? Is is that what we call you guys? Your jazz cats? Are Are the performers the jazz cats? What are the listeners? I'm I'm intrigued in this in this lingo. <laughs> Rob, speak yeah, to me. Rob, I, I'm out. I tapped out. Rob, speak is, to me about the lingo. Is there a button I can push that mutes my mic? <laughs> and, and then we'll and then we'll shift over to Russell. You Tell know, me about I, this lingo. I, I, yeah, I, I think <laughs> it is. Tell us about these cats. I think it's, I think it's a vibe. I, I think it's a vibe. I, I think it's an energy. It's a mindset. It's it's a personality. It's uh, you know there, there's definitely a a, a verbiage, you know, like I said, when I was in high school, I first started, you know, going to these jam sessions with, uh, you know, like Royce uh, Murray, who's a organ player, you know, in town. He's he's still around doing his thing. And I mentioned Dwight Killian before, who had just moved here from Colorado. You know, there's just sort of a a culture amongst jazz musicians <laughs> where you say stuff like i dig man you know i dig when you know you could say yes i understand what you're saying or the point that you're <laughs> making boring. right now <laughs> you know but that's fine but dig is uh, it's just easier you know it's easier to say it you know it's uh, it's more palatable verbiage i would say and, and communicates more efficiently uh, but yeah, it is. It is kind of a vibe and an energy, and and musicians. You know, when I'm hanging out with musicians, we we just had a bunch of musicians involved in a recording session for the BJC Publications um, over the weekend. And you know, when I when I look around, you know, at the stage, I'm like, you know, these are uh, these are my people. You know, mm-hmm. it's like I can I can uh, level with these people and. Bro down. I mean, we have women on the stage too, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, I can I can level with them, and they they get me, and I get them, and we can, uh, you know, we have that mutual love for for the music, mm-hmm. you know, and that's sort of that unifying factor. But there is just sort of this laid back nature, I would say, to to jazz musicians. You know, always I always come back to this moment when I was in college, where I was practicing, you know, as a, even when you're studying jazz at at the time, you had to study classical music as well. And I'm down in the basement, we have all the marimbas and everything, and you have to do, you know, timpani, snare drum, Uh, you you have to study classical stuff as well. And I was playing a marimba piece, and, you know, you take a break, and percussionists would come out, you know, the legit percussionists that were working on there for it, you know. (laughs) And uh, and I remember this this woman. She was working on a piece, and I, I really, you know, enjoyed a certain motivic pattern in it. And you know, it had this like arpeggiated pattern. And I asked her if she ever used that as a springboard to develop to to improvise. And she just looked at me dead cold, straight in the face, and she said, "No, no, I never do." No, I play the notes on the page. And that's all I ever do is I just, I'm just practicing the notes on the page. And I said, well, but yeah, but this thing, if you transpose it and if you uh, alter the pattern, you know, try this permutation, that permutation, you know, my brain is always improvising. You know, it's like, so those notes on the page are just a suggestion for me. <laughs> you know, like you could do this. But then my brain goes, oh, but you could also do this or you can do that or you could whatever, you know. So I and and that's the way jazz musicians, you know, think nothing against classical music. I absolutely love classical musicians and and we need people to play the notes that are on the page. Believe me. And, and she was one of the best, you know, that she was just phenomenally gifted and had an incredible touch and elevated the music in, in a way mm-hmm. that that I could not because she was so true to what the composer's intent was, you know, for that piece of music. But 
Yeah, so jazz cats. You guys are. We're in the moment. We're in the flow. You know, <laughs> it's happening right now. And that, that's our connective tissue or our connective alliance. You know? Yeah. And how cool that you have been able to find that and find, like, like you said, that's your vibe, your people. You can connect with them. There's something really, really beautiful about being able to do that in a way that is not as restrictive right? We do need people to stick to the notes and, and, and play. I mean, imagine if you went to a pop or a country show and you're used to the song and then things are going off and there's a space for that. There's a lane for that. But how beautiful that you've been able to find that space in music where it is a little different each time and has its own unique vibe and feel to it. Thank you for sharing that and explaining this vibe of jazz cats. I'm curious to know, too, David, you mentioned Denver. Rob, you mentioned Colorado. Is Colorado like a big place for jazz? Because it's come up in conversation a couple of times today. Is that a really big place for jazz in particular? I think there's some happening things, uh, you know, in Colorado and Denver. I mean, it's a big city, big Mm -hmm. melting pot. It's been growing like crazy, you know, over the past couple of decades. Yeah. Do people look at Phoenix as a place? For jazz. They do I now. Mean, now yeah. the Ravenscroft is here. Good answer. <laughs> yeah, and can I, can I jump in about, about Colorado? The the thing yeah. about Colorado is it has a long history of supporting art music. Mm. And so mm-hmm. you have all kinds of summer music festivals that have long championed mm-hmm. uh, classical music experiences for high school and college kids to come mm. in for some summer music festivals in Aspen and Steamboat Springs and in other locations. Yeah. And so I think maybe the jazz community in Denver and outlying Colorado areas has maybe just been a little later to the party, mm-hmm. but Colorado seems to have a, a long history of supporting creative art music. And so their their jazz element has been growing in just the same way that Phoenix's has here in Arizona. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you for that. And Russ, I'm jumping over to you now. Okay. One of the other things that has been coming up in conversation a few times is this Valley Jazz Cooperative. Sure. Yes, I want to hear about this. Okay. so. My background, very quick, the thumbnail sketch. I grew up in upstate New York. I went to Rochester, New York, to the Eastman School of Music for a couple of degrees. One was classical, and then the grad degree. Uh, went over to the tritone substitutions of the jazz cats and got a master's <laughs> in jazz studies. So, And uh, so I, for a time, lived in both worlds. I played with symphony orchestras around the country with uh, conductor Donald Hunsberger. He'd kind of bring me in as his caddy so that as we were working with 70 new musicians, well, at least Russ that he knew was there on the piano. So I, you know, I kept the classical thing up for a time, but I'm much more passionate about jazz as a performer myself. I love listening to many forms of music, but as a performer, I focused on jazz and it is for the improvisational element to try and really create as rob was saying and uh music in the moment with Mm -hmm. yes these circumstances and also these voices this collection of individuals because the band might be different every night one of Mm -hmm. the challenges for something like the chamber series is that if somebody gets sick and doesn't get on a plane to come play our concert you cannot really plug in a sub as easily but we have Mm -hmm. so many great drummers, pianists, bassists in town, saxophonists, and on and on, that if, oh, we have a jazz bird night event on a Friday night and suddenly the bassist can't come, in jazz, it's a plug-and-play experience. You just, okay, we'll bring in somebody else with a different voice and different strengths, but the show can go on quite easily. Uh Um, So it's a really interesting thing with jazz that there's a spontaneous integration of the group on gig after gig and it'll be a different group gig after gig so but about about the vjc after after uh my education i for a time was a a music educator at the collegiate level i was director of jazz studies at bowling green state university in ohio and then later director of jazz studies at the university of utah in salt lake city and i was still doing that job in 2014 when uh, we'll bring up Dwight again, Dwight Killian reached out to me, Music Serving the Word, the parent organization, uh, the foundation that David's mentioned a couple times. Mm-hmm. They reached out to me because they were ready to add an education position. I had performed with 
with Dwight, with Rob, with Vicki McDermott, who does some of our uh, outreach programs for MSW. I performed with them from all the way from maybe 2002 forward, but I had lived in Bowling Green during the academic year and was summering here in Arizona, getting the snowbird thing 100% wrong. I was uh, going to yeah, say, you yeah, were a little backwards I got there. it wrong. <laughs> but, I, but I was a teacher during the school year in these other places while my wife, Nancy Buck, was and is the professor of viola at Arizona State University. So we kind of had a commuter marriage for a time. <laughs> and then in 2014, the opportunity to join the MSW team came on because they added an education position. Mm-hmm. So uh, it took a while to figure out what that would look like, but I was, I was lucky enough to be offered it and I accepted in 2014 and walked away from academia and uh, have really enjoyed my time with MSW. And in 2016, we finally figured out what MSW education really should look like. And after trying some things at a more national level for about 18 months, we, we sort of retracted what we were doing. And to use a Vicky term, we went with boots on the ground ministry instead mm-hmm. and started the Valley Jazz Cooperative, which is uh, an educational initiative uh, generally geared towards students in grades 8 through 12 area music students. And it offers them the opportunity to explore improvisation Mm -hmm. and jazz in combo and big band settings. So that program's been around for seven years. And uh, the first year we had 10 students in it. And by March 2020, we had 42 students and three ensembles. So a pretty good growth curve in a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. And then we had a a modest setback in uh, March 2020. And so numbers were smaller when we resumed in December 2021. But this past year, it grew back to... uh, two ensembles and we'll be going on to three ensembles this year. So the growth is there. There's real interest from students to explore their own innate creativity through improvisation. The Mm -hmm. thing that Rob was talking about with the marimba player. Hey, how about, yeah, that's great that so-and-so wrote this (laughs) 70 years ago, but you could do something with that. Well, Mm -hmm. these young people get to do something with that. And uh, it's important to me. I'm, I'm a real stickler for controlling the teaching environment, but in a positive way. I do not want sort of ridicule to be there when some amazing 12th grader who's going to grow up Mm -hmm. to be Rob Moore is sitting next to some 10th grader who is going to grow up to be an awesome chemistry major somewhere. Not everybody Mm -hmm. I'm I'm working with is going to be a music major. Yeah. So you, for those young people, sort of a peer pressure sort of way, it's mission critical to me that the environment be nurturing and welcoming and there isn't a, a moment of like, hey, man, your improvised solo really sucked. You know, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to put up with that. So for me, creating a nurturing space in a beautiful facility, Ravenscroft, um, yeah. that, that's mission critical so that they dare to try. Otherwise, they'll be afraid to try. And I think young people today kind of damaged through Zoom high school or Zoom junior high school it's more important to me than ever that they have a space to dare to try and maybe dare to fail, but fail without, you know, sort of getting picked on by peer group, which might not be the case in their own high school or junior high school. Yeah. But what a beautiful opportunity to give them that chance to try music, right? But to your point, try and fail and do something different and and improv. I mentioned I was the theater kid. I wasn't the music kid. And I loved the improvisation side of theater because you didn't have to stick with those lines. You got to be a little flexible and have a little more fun with it. And it could go in any direction. It could go into a comedic side. It could go into a dark side, right? Right. But that was a really unique thing about improv with theater. And I never even thought about this from the music standpoint. So It's been really interesting to learn and hear from you guys. I love music and I've listened to jazz for a long time. And Rob, I really didn't even think that, you know, there is this improvisation side to it of just kind of going with it. So how beautiful to teach these students at a young age, right, to be able to try and improv and in a unique and and beautiful environment, too, with that facility as well. Absolutely. Uh, can I share one anecdote with Please you? Please do. What I really like most about sort of the community-based culture we create with these young people mm-hmm. is sort of what I would call lateral support. 
that, you know, you can have some 12th grade trumpeter killing it and they're going to be a sort of peer level mentor that late fifties Russ can't quite be, you know, back in the trumpet <laughs> section. Mm-hmm. And so I think we've got a good community going that way. And the anecdote I want to share is late June of this year, we had our alumni band play its second concert ever. After being around for seven years, you get to a critical mass where some of these young people after they graduate high school do still play their instruments. Maybe they're music majors in college. Maybe they play Tower of Power horn section stuff in a wedding band on the side on Saturdays to whatever they're doing with their lives. But they want to keep playing and they want to have the connection to our VJC community, which I appreciate. Mm -hmm. So for the last two summers, we've done an alumni band concert in June when maybe students are going to college out of state. We'll be back in state if they're coming home and uh, letting mom and dad help them do their laundry and catch up on life (laughs) over the summers. So it's been really successful. But this most recent concert, we had a trumpet section with with one guy who is probably going to have won a couple of Grammys by the time he's 35. Just an amazing jazz trumpeter. And he's, of course, playing lead, and he plays higher than anybody, great, and he improvises amazingly. So he's got it all covered as a, as a big band trumpeter and a combo trumpeter. And there was another trumpeter in the section who does not maybe play at that level of experience or expertise, mm-hmm. but that other fella really went for it on one tune because he was feeling the creative spirit and he just played stuff I've never heard him play before. And as I'm looking at the trumpet section, it's my turn to get choked up, David. As I'm looking at the trumpet section, I realize the other four trumpeters are looking left at him and smiling. They're happy for him. And so that community-based thing, that's there. And hopefully that makes Ravenscroft have a magnetic pull that will bring these young people back in when they're 22 and 26 and 30 and want to be part of the VJC alumni band that we have this community and maybe some of those young people down the road, maybe they'll even end up working at Ravenscroft part-time or full-time. So you just don't know how the little tendrils of this go out in the universe, but it just, it really made me profoundly happy Mm -hmm. to see lateral support for like, okay, this cat is at the beginning of their journey as an improviser. And this cat is like a master improviser at 20 and they all love on each other. It was really awesome. To have that support, right? It's one thing when it comes from you, right? But to have that support from your peers and those other students, those other cats, <laughs> looking at this young one, have this other one have his moment. Yeah. Especially in today's day and age, like you just want to have that support from your peers, yeah. right? And so to provide the opportunity for that to happen is beautiful. I love that you have these alumni performances. With the performances that are happening, David, you mentioned there's about 80, 88, 80 some different shows that are happening during the year, right? (laughs) Tell me about the shows that are coming up. Tell me about how people can find out about them, how they can be part, how they can support the foundation, Tell me some of this. How can we get involved in all of this? Yeah, so there's so much going on through Ravenscroft, really. We just always encourage people to get into the website, which is theravenscroft.com. From there, people can sign up for the newsletter. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can follow us on any of our social links. Our handle is ravenscroftaz on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. We have a pretty good marketing team that's out there constantly updating events and pushing everything that we have going on. And that includes Valley Jazz, uh, cooperative concerts, any of our chamber shows, benefit concerts, anything happening at Ravenscroft is on those channels. So, yeah. So there's just too many things going on uh, for me to just like (laughs) pick it apart. Uh, So there's kind of two mainstreams that, that, Keep us going very busy week to week. One is the Jazzbird Nights. Mm-hmm. That's every Friday night, uh, starting at seven o'clock. We have uh, live musicians that will play on our Jazzbird stage for two hours. It's a great opportunity. We have catered food from a local caterer company that comes out, uh, so you can buy food there. You get drinks at the bar. It is reserved ticketed seating. Our first three shows are like completely sold out, and we haven't even started. We we kick it off a week from friday okay uh yeah the 
the last two seasons have just been ramping up and more and more interest keeps getting generated. And uh, some of it is just the, the demographic uh, close by Ravenscroft up in that um, uh, northeast Scottsdale region. They More and more people keep hearing about us and sharing it word of mouth. So, I mean, every event I start off saying, you know, hey, how many of you, this is your first time here? And I, I swear 50% of the hands go up in the room, which is amazing because when you just do the math, every month there's hundreds of new people mm-hmm. literally walking through Ravenscroft for the very first time. So then I can, you know, take them in the hall and do a little demo of our Meyer Constellation system. and But tell, you know, talk about the organization, just all, all the things that are going on. And not one person says anything negative. I mean, mm-hmm. they're just thrilled to find us for one. Yeah. And a lot of people, I think in that demographic too, don't like to drive down downtown Phoenix. <laughs> so they're like, Hey, I found something <laughs> close to my house. And, and with ample parking. Yeah. With yeah. plenty of parking. Mm-hmm. Uh, you I'm don't have sold. to deal with, you know, some <laughs> other locations, but uh, yeah. So uh, the other, the other mainstream outside of Jasper nights, cause that's like 42 events out of our calendar. That's like, like half of our years, just Jasper nights. Mm. We've got 16 shows, I think. We're pretty close to 16 shows confirmed for our Ravenscroft uh, concert series. We did call it our jazz series last year, but it's actually expanded beyond jazz now. So uh, these are these are the anchor artists. These are the the big names uh, where we go out, reach out to their what do you call it, their agency yeah. mm-hmm. to to get them booked. A lot of these cats uh, come from New York, LA places around the world. And so it's, it's a real honor for us to have these, these uh, musicians and these bands come through Ravenscroft Hall. Yeah. Uh, then we do the benefit concerts in there as well uh, as I've got five chamber shows coming up mm-hmm. with uh, Russell and his team doing that. And they're all kind of their own unique theme, which is really cool. And then we do Valley Jazz. What we do about four different yeah, with about four years. Um, we do not, with our educational program, we do not try and compete with the marching band season. Young people, if they're in marching band, that is a time commitment of staggering proportion. So rather than limp along in the fall with a few people, we keep the Valley Jazz in a December to June window. And that means our concerts are in a February to June window. Yeah, and they're fabulous. I mean, I didn't know much about Russ's program until I started the, the job. And then, of course, I saw their first show and I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, if I was in high school and I wanted to be in jazz band, I would have gone for Valley Jazz. Like, yeah. that would have been the thing I, I would have wanted to be a part of. But uh, so this season, we're opening up uh, the Ravenscroft concert series with uh, a young man by the name of Jesus Molina and uh, Los Drummers coming in. Uh, hey, Rob can tell you a little bit more because Rob's really very close to all the artist bookings and a lot of conversations with these guys. But Jesus is an amazing artist. He's going to go far. Joel Harrison, Ben Wendell, Anthony Fong. We've got Myron McKinley, who's the music director for Earth, Wind, and Fire. He's coming on mid-November. He's also one of our Ravenscroft piano uh, artists. So he's endorsed by the piano side of Ravenscroft. Uh, And we've got a lot lot of other artists. I won't mention them all here because I know we're running down on time. But our season runs through uh, May mm-hmm. in the concert series, and we're usually dark during July and August. We'll take a break during that time. But really, September through June, it's like solid programming. So you can come up to Ravenscroft every week yeah. and uh, hear something awesome. So, yeah, very cool. Fantastic. I'm excited. I'm going to be checking out this calendar. Rob, you mentioned that you're kind of the one connecting with some of these artists. So as we wrap up, we do, it's crazy how fast this goes. We have a, a few minutes, we'll wrap. But tell us, you know, anything that you're excited about with some of these new artists that you're bringing. Maybe they're not new, but they're new to this space. Like, what can you tell us or share with us about kind of the artist side of things coming up? Yeah, so one of the shows that I, I want to mention is uh, Ben Wendell. He has an album named High Heart. And one of the dreams of Bob Ravenscroft from the beginning was to bring visual art, uh, to, to marry visual art with improvisational music. And this is one of those shows that's going to that's gonna hit that mark. Uh, ben is bringing a visual artist with him that's going to do improvised visual media 
during the show. He's also bringing a, a vocalist named Michael Mayo. And if you don't know Michael Mayo, check this guy out. He is, uh, he's going to be winning Grammys soon. <laughs> uh, he's, a, he's just amazing. He does a lot of vocalese, which is like scat singing, but he sounds like a horn player with his mouth. I mean, it's just the way that he hits mm-hmm. notes and it's, it's really going to be an incredible evening, you know, of, of music and, and art. So definitely check out the website, theravenscroft.com, get on the newsletter. Uh, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, so you just have a heads up when those shows are uh, around the corner. And Jesus Molina and Los Dromers is two drummers. And Jesus is, um, he's incredibly technically proficient. And he looks as good as he plays the keyboard. He's, he's just <laughs> an amazing, uh, amazing musician and human being. And uh, we're just so excited that he can join us for our opening show. I, I think he's going to melt faces in the hall. We're <laughs> <laughs> And when is the opening show? September 16th, okay. I believe. Yeah, September 16th. So definitely, yeah, check it out. Beautiful. And Russ, as we wrap up, is there anything you want to share about the programs that you're doing, the students that you're supporting? What other little bits you want to share with us before okay. we wrap up? Well, I'll, I'll share something about the Chamber series. Uh, it was... Uh, so well supported by audiences, despite being in a place that was mostly jazz, mm-hmm. that we've expanded from four concerts last season to five concerts this season, which is beautiful. So we start on November 4th with a show called Inspiration, has music by Martineau, uh, Gustav Mahler, who didn't write much chamber music. He usually wrote for big orchestras mm-hmm. but uh, and some other composers. That'll be fun. But I want to mention the second event of the season. It's January 27th of next year. We're uh, doing a show called Intersection, which was maybe our most popular show from last year. And that's a jazz meets classical crossover event. So if you want to see Rob Moore and Russ Schmidt on a stage with classical musicians trying to convince them to uh, improvise (laughs) while they try and convince Rob and I, convince Rob and I to read the part as written, (laughs) please come to Intersection. It was a very successful and popular show and was a great way to bridge the two musical genres. So um, I encourage audiences to check out the very well-designed Ravenscroft website. David had a great hand in making it clear what's part of what series. You can just go to the homepage and see, oh, here's the Friday night thing. Here's the Ravenscroft concert series. Here's Chamber. Here's VJC and on and on. Uh, Jazz for the Soul, which Vicki McDermott curates. There's just, there's great clarity at, at the homepage. So you can find what you're looking for very quickly. And I encourage our audience to visit theravenscroft.com. Awesome. That's beautiful. And I'm excited. Intersection, January 27th. That's the day before my birthday. Karen and I should go. Come we'll watch we'll watch you, you cool cats. <laughs> <laughs> As we get ready to wrap and sign off, I want to give each one of you a moment. Let us know how we can reach you. We've mentioned the website, social media a couple of times, but if there's anything else in particular, or if listeners are intrigued by your stories individually, right? And they want to reach out to you, Ram, Russ. Um, I'm going to give each of you a moment to us how to reach you. I'm going to start this way, Russ. I'm going to start with you. Okay. So in addition to the Ravenscroft.com, we do have a valleyjazz.org site that lets you know what's coming up with the Valley Jazz Cooperative and those students. And I will just mention that we have a Valley Jazz Cooperative scholarship program. The the program itself is free, but we also support outstanding seniors who have a, a dedicated life of service demonstrated already. So if they do service events at their school, Uh, through a church, through whatever they're doing. If they're not just thinking about themselves, but thinking about how they can enrich the lives of others, we actually support that by offering them scholarships over four years uh, at at the college level. So if you want to learn more about that program or maybe even help support it so we can expand what we do, we have students who go to area community colleges and we've got students who are former VJCers who are at Yale and Princeton. So they're all over the map and we try and help them do good work around you know, wherever they might be, wherever community they might land. Yeah. So you can learn more about that at valleyjazz.org. Perfect. Thank you, Russell. 
Yeah, if you need to get a hold of me, um, once again, just visit the website. I am behind the, the booking request form since I handle most of the bookings. Or just go straight to davidbauer.com. And <laughs> ask, ask for Rob. <laughs> I love that. All right, David. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, the ravenscroft.com is the best way to see all the events at Ravenscroft. Um, you can always call the box office. We do have a toll free. It is 1-800-785-3318. Uh, and any emails, you can email us at events at theravenscroft.com. And our whole team sees those emails, so they are actually responded to by real-life human beings that <laughs> we'll get back to you. So, Amen. Yeah, we've got I a great season that. coming up, and we'd love, yes. we'd love to have both you guys up. And so, Yeah, we're excited. I can see Karen excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. This has been really an honor to learn more about Ravenscroft, but also the three of you, and learn more about just jazz in general, I feel like I didn't know most of these things. So thank you for sharing and for teaching me through this whole um, session with you guys as well. Thank you for chatting. For everyone else, thank you for listening. Some media leans left, some leans right, and we lean business. Thank you. Thank you.